Hey friends, welcome back to another episode of Deeper Still, the women's ministry podcast of Christ Church of Oak Brook. My name is Sue Ann Camfield. I serve on staff here at the church and I have the joy of being the host of this podcast. Here at Deeper Still, we are all about cutting through the chaotic and the mundane to pay attention to what God is doing, to hear his voice in our lives and to go deeper still in our relationship with him and one another. And as always, my friends, I'm so glad you're here. Today on Deeper Still, we are going to talk about a topic that's hard. It's complicated, it's filled with pain and with sorrow, and yet somehow when we place it in God's hands and we surround ourselves with people who lift us up and point us to what is true, it's also an unlikely place where we can find light and hope and redemption and dare I say beauty in the midst of it as we watch God move. Today, we're going to talk about grief, and we're going to specifically be talking about grieving the loss of a child as my dear friend, Rebecca Wells, courageously shares her story. Two years ago, Rebecca and her husband, Andy, lost their 19-year-old son, Ian, in a tragic work accident while he was working in a rail yard. Ian had just finished his freshman year at Indiana University and was home for the summer. Rebecca is here today not only to share her story of loss and what she's learned along the way, but more importantly, to share the hope and support she and Andy are providing through their new nonprofit, Ian's Place. Ian's Place exists to help bereaved parents find a place for comfort and healing in a Christian environment. Their mission is to support newly bereaved parents as well as those who have grieved the loss of a child for years. They're there to pray, to listen, to talk, and to cry with each other for as long as it takes to find healing through hope for the future. So wherever you find yourself today, saddle up, settle in, and listen in as Rebecca and I go deeper still. Well, Rebecca, my friend, it is such a joy and um, an absolute privilege to have you here today. Thank you for having me, Sue Ann, and um, I'm thrilled to be here. I'm nervous and thrilled at the same time. So. Well, that's that's a good combination, actually. <laughs> Sometimes that's when God does his best work, when we're nervous and thrilled, right? Probably. That's right. You know, as I was thinking about our conversation today, um, you know, I know we have a lot of ground to cover, and pieces of this conversation, I'll just acknowledge right from the top, they're going to be hard. They're going to be hard for you and for me, and they may be hard for some of the people that are listening out there today. Today. But before we get started, I was thinking, you know, there's some things I want people to know about you, what they should know about you as they listen to your story and your heart today. And I was thinking, you know what, they should know that you are one of the most witty and funny <laughs> and joyful people that I have ever met. Uh, you are one of the most loyal friends I have ever known. You uh, have a servant heart. You literally are a person that will do anything for anyone. And you're the most, one of the most loved people I have ever met. And I have no doubt that there's so many of our friends listening today and so many women and people here in our church that know you and Andy, and they are just shaking their heads in agreement with what I'm saying right now. And they are so happy to hear your voice today. They're so happy that you're here. Thanks, Sue Ann. Mm. Um, and Tears so, are starting. 
tears are starting already. This is going to be, I know, where we may have to just like push pause a couple of times and just ugly cry <laughs> as we as we work our way through this conversation. And everyone who knows me knows I'm a crier. And so they know there's no way I'm getting through this conversation without it. So you just, you just be who you are. And uh, we'll let God lead the way through this conversation. Uh, you know, full disclosure for our audience um, also that, Rebecca, you and I have been friends for a long time. We have. Um, you were actually my first friend when I moved here to Chicago, and I always laugh at how we met because, remember, I think someone, like, twisted your arm and said, you have to be nice to the new pastor's wife and, like, take her out to dinner or something. <laughs> <laughs> and you had to That's spend, true. <laughs> and you had to spend an evening with me, and then you said, we'll never be friends. <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember that? Uh, yeah, but I can't believe you're saying this. <laughs> the, that's what makes friendship so beautiful. Is you didn't think we you'd be friends, and now here we are, fifteen, sixteen years yes, later, and you've been, been. It's been a great time with you. It really has. Um, you've been a wonderful friend to me. Well, you know, one of the things I've learned about friendship is when you start out being friends with someone, you don't always know the road that lies ahead. You don't know the twists and turns it's going to take. And certainly when we met 16 years ago, neither you or I would have ever thought we'd be sitting here today having this particular conversation. But one of the things that I love about you, in addition to all those other things I already said I love about you, is I know you are doing this with fear and trembling. Um, because you want to use your story, you want to use your pain, your grief, your loss, and hopes that God can bring hope and healing to someone else who needs to hear it today. And that's maybe the thing I love most of all about you. And so um, I'm uh, excited, maybe not the right word, but for you to share your story, because I know God is going to use you today, my friend. So you ready? Should we jump in? Yes. Okay, let's do it. Let's do it. Um, so Rebecca, just tell us a little bit more, or tell us a little bit about your family. Who are, who are the Wells family? Well, um, I met my husband in preschool <laughs> in the early 70s, and um, we started dating in college. We got married and wanted to start a family immediately, and we had a difficult time, so we did in vitro. Mm. So... Um, it was it was a lot of work, and um, after three, we felt that we could be done. And I had two sons and a daughter, mm. all about three years apart. And um, we bought the house next to my parents and moved in. So I had my mom and dad always hanging around with us, and then my sister and her family moved in on the other side. And it was very it was a wonderful um, way to raise my children. Mm. We had a very close family. You do have a close family. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so you you um, had three children, Jack, Ian, and Georgia, yes. all beautiful souls. Can you tell us a little more about them? Um, Jack is my firstborn. He's now 23. Um, he has his, he just got his first job in, um, in real estate. Um, and um, he's a, a lot like my husband, quiet and serious. Ian um, was our, he was, had my personality, very outgoing, very loud, mm. very, very loud and funny and um, affectionate. And then Georgia is um, my baby and she's on her way to college next week. 
Yeah. So that's going to be difficult. Yeah. You got lots of emotions yes. going on with that. A also. lot going on. Yeah. You and I both are sending kids off to college here in the next week or so and typically uh, entering into a new season of life. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Well, um, Rebecca, you and Andy have just have a beautiful family and uh, life was going along as many families do where you're just doing your everyday things. Your kids are in and out of your home. Um, Andy's going to work. You are just raising your kiddos and being who you are with volunteering and doing so many things that you've been involved in in our community. And then one day, um, life changes. Can you tell us a little bit about what happened that day? Um, It was August 1st, um, 2019, and um, it was a normal morning. The night before, my husband took the boys to play golf. Um, The next morning, I um, took Ian to the train because he worked at the rail yard in Aurora, so he took the train, and I was dropping him off, and he was a little early, and he wanted me to stay and talk, Mm. which is so sweet. He was a sensitive soul. And I told him I had to hurry and get back because I had to take his other brother to the next train for his internship in the city. So I hugged him goodbye, and I got home, picked up my other son, took him to the train, got home, and I got my daughter, and we were going to go work out together. And my husband was on the phone and asked me to stay back for a minute. And I said, well, I'm going to be late. We have to go. And he said, you just need to hold on a minute. And he was on the phone um, with his friend who actually owned the rail yard, who gave mm-hmm. Ian the job. Mm-hmm. And um, he said, I, I don't know. I, he thinks Ian might be dead. He's not sure. And I, I went numb. I didn't, I didn't know what to think. I, I didn't think he'd be dead. I, I didn't even know it was a dangerous job. Um, it, it wasn't even that dangerous, actually. It was a it was something was put in correctly in uh, unloading lumber. Um, so his friend ended up coming over to let us know that he had passed. And mm-hmm. I just, I don't even remember what I felt. I People came over as, within minutes. Um, I know your husband was there most of the day. And um, it really was a big blur. I, I'm not sure how my body made it through. Mm-hmm. It it was the whole family. We were just we were just in shock, mm-hmm. and praise God for the shock because, um, I think I think that helped us. Yeah. At the very beginning. Yeah. Well, and you have said even now looking back, there's pieces of especially um, that day and the weeks to come that you don't remember everything mm-hmm. that went on. It's still to this day is kind of a blur. I know you and I have talked about things, and you've said. Did that happen? Who was there? And mm-hmm. it, it's like the whole thing, not just then, but for, for maybe even weeks and months to come felt that way. Mm-hmm. Very much so. Um, I have, We have a great family, and I have wonderful friends and support people who support us, and um, they would take care of us, bring us meals. Um, all my girlfriends put – well, my, my husband and my girlfriends put together – a lot of the funeral um, plans, the reception here at church. Um, I know my mom and my sister were with us at the funeral home, um, most of which I don't remember. Um, but 
I am just so grateful for all the loved ones that yeah cared for us. Well, like I said, you're you're one of the most loved people and one of the most loved families I know. And yeah. Ian's funeral was such a beautiful celebration of his life and of the people that loved him. And it was a beautiful thing to watch. One of the most joyful pieces of that was Ian's favorite color was orange. And everyone showed up with something orange on. And it was just such a, the whole thing was such a beautiful tribute to who he was and it to was. your family. Yeah, it really yeah. was. So, Rebecca, think of, um, as we move forward, kind of in the days and the weeks to come, months to come, how would you describe your grieving process? How did you get through those days? Um, I think the beginning stages of grieving, a a, a lot of sleeping, I did a lot of reading. Um. I was just trying to figure out if this was God's plan. I I wanted to understand what other people felt, um, a lot of confusion. Um, I was was in a dark, dark place. Mm -hmm. Um, The reading helped me. um, And then I slowly started um, wanting to... Um, find other mothers who have lost a ch- who had lost a child to talk to them and just to kind of gauge how they were getting along. I wanted to see somebody who went through this who was still um, living and maybe finding some joy a couple years down the road. Yeah. And so that's once I was able to kind of get out of the house, um, I would just that's pretty much all I would do. Mm-hmm. I didn't do much, but I would occasionally meet with women. Yeah. And how did that experience go for you? Because I know you and Andy had some, some times where you reached out to certain uh, maybe places for support that um, you didn't find exactly what you needed, but there was something unique about talking to other moms and other parents who had lost a child. Can you talk a little bit? Why do you think that was? Well, I think um, first First, we were looking for a group, so we went online to a lot of the national um, bereaved parent organizations, and I, I, we went to one as a couple. It was like once a month, so we were waiting. I had to wait a few weeks, and we went to it, and it was um, very uncomfortable, mm-hmm. and um, it was kind of all over the board, and I, I left there feeling more depressed than I was when I went there. And I thought about it, and I realized it was there. There was no center. There, it was just kind of everybody just talking about, you know, whatever they felt like talking about. But there was no God, and that's what it was missing. Mm-hmm. There was no talk about the afterlife. Um, it was more, you know, just things that people would come up with that would give them some comfort. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. And so as a believer, because you've been a you've been a Christian for a good part of your life, I know how important your faith is to you. And so why do you think that was so important to find other women, other parents again who really had that center when you're going through something like this? Because I think the only thing that kept me going, the only thing that still keeps me going today is that I will see Ian again. Mm. 
and I will see my sister again and my dad again. And if I didn't have that, I don't know if I would have gotten out of that dark space. Mm -hmm. I really don't. And so I think, you know, I would meet with some moms and I would kind of talk with them and get to know them. And some were Christians and some weren't. And it was very, it was very different outcomes of how I was feeling between the ones that had faith and who didn't. Mm -hmm. Because I'm not sure how you would get through a loss like this without faith. I really, I really don't know. Um, so that became very important when looking for help. Yeah, yeah. Well, I can imagine so. And, you know, as we walk through our Christian journey, that's so often true. It's like when you find other people who have that same foundation and the same hope, that's such a great reminder of the same hope that we have in Jesus, mm -hmm. the hope that we have in eternity. It makes all the difference in the world because then, like you said, you have that hope. You know what is to come in the midst of the darkness. And then it helps you as you journey through that to just keep reminding yourself, what do I know is true? What do I know is true of God, right? What do I, what do I know will come? And let me keep holding on to that. And God didn't create us to be alone. He didn't create us to live life alone. And so when we find other people who can remind us of what is true, because I imagine there were days where it wasn't easy for you to always believe <laughs> that God was good in the midst of this, mm -hmm. that, that you needed someone, other people to point you to the fact that there is resurrection and there is hope. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Mm. Very much. Yeah. There's power in that. Well, the other thing I know that was helpful to you is that someone gave you a book. And uh, I want you to share not only a little bit about this book and why it was meaningful, but also kind of what it's led you to do for other people. Um, but this book is called A Grace Disguised. And uh, the gentleman who wrote it is named Jerry S Oh, wait, I'm going to get this last name wrong. Jerry Sitzer. Is that right? Yeah, okay, right. it's funny on the paper to read it out loud. <laughs> Sitzer, I got to say that. Um, and he experienced losing his mom, his wife, and his daughter in a tragic accident. Uh, his life changed in an instant. He lost all three of those people. And I know you also just mentioned a few minutes ago, you've lost a sister, you've lost your dad. And so you, you know a lot of different kinds of grief. And this book, the publisher says that uh, in the depths of our sorrows that often people ask questions that sometimes people are afraid to ask out loud, but there's hope in the answers. And some of those questions on the back of the book say, will the pain ever subside? Will my life ever be good again? Will the depression ever lift? Will I ever overcome the bitterness I feel? And what, God, what is God's plan in all of this? Did you experience some of those questions? And what did you do with that? When you were thinking, would I ever experience joy again? Yes, I, I did feel that. Um, and I went through all the stages of grief, mm. and um, and I went through being angry with God. I went through jealousy of people who had their children all in their families intact. Um, I did, and I um, and I've spoken to a few women um, wh whose faith isn't strong and who have. Um, been stuck. They're still stuck. They're stuck in their grief. Mm. They're angry at God. Um, they've lost their faith. And I knew that was not what I wanted. Mm -hmm. um, and if I, you know, if we truly believe, if we truly believe, then we know that um, heaven, 
is a wonderful place. And that, and I know that my son is safe mm. and happy. It's just hard sometimes on earth when things are going well or when, you know, we have nice lives here. It, it's hard to um, even think about heaven. Right. I guess when you have somebody very close to you there, it, it's you think about it more. But um, yes, I went. I went through. I yeah. went through all that. But I, I do feel like I'm. I'm. I'm feeling joy again mm. after two years. Mm. It's possible. It is absolutely possible. Yeah, and I'm sure there are people listening who are in grief of some sort or a parent who has lost a child who are asking those kinds of questions. Um, And I think it's normal to ask those kinds of questions, and I imagine it's healthy to ask those kinds of questions. Uh, What would you, what might you say to them if there's someone listening right now just asking those kinds of questions, will I be happy again? How would you encourage them? Well, I think if it's recent, you probably are in that dark, dark place where nothing feels right, nothing, um, you know, living seems difficult. Um, But thankfully, God heals us over time. And um, it... It is it is true that you will get you will get through it. I promise you. Mm. Um, it takes time. You have to be good to yourself, um, and and heal at your own pace. Um, you know, I've I've spoken with so many people, and um, some can can function and kind of go to work and do things and that's healthy for them and kind of gets their mind off the daily routine. Um, I sat on a couch for a year. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I guess it's different for everybody. But you will find joy again. You will be happy again. And and with the promise of knowing that you'll be reunited one day with your child or a loved one. Yeah. Yeah, that's such an important thing, I think, for people to hear. Yeah. Rebecca, one of the other things I appreciate about you as I've watched you go through this process is, is, and you just alluded to this, is the grief process is different for everybody. There's no right or wrong way. There, there's no um, better way than another to walk through the process. And so you said you said you needed to be at home to kind of, put some barriers up around you to sit mm-hmm. on your couch. That's what you needed. That's not what everyone may need, no. but that's what you needed. And I love that you, um, I feel like in you sharing that, you're giving people freedom to grieve how they need to grieve. But can you share a couple of things knowing that, that it's unique for everybody? What are some things that encouraged you along the way? In my healing? Yes. Mm-hmm. Um boy that's a tough question um i think i i would say the the best encouragement was um meeting with women who had lost a child and still led happy productive lives mm. that was my that was my encouragement mm. that i can go on um I also, my mother lost her daughter at 39, and so um, 
my mother was there for me and really helped. I was kind of fortunate, unfortunate, but fortunate that I, I had somebody so close to me that kind of knew what I was going through. And that was, she was my encourager for sure. Wow. Well, and lots of people listening know your mom too and just know what a support and encouragement she has been to many women. Um, and so it's not hard to imagine that she was that for you also. And and that's just another piece of the story and that kind of um, points to what you're saying is that your mom lost a child and your sister and your mom grieved completely differently than how you were mm-hmm. grieving. And mm-hmm. God meets us in those places because he knows that we're um, more individuals that, that need different things. And so again, it's just that reminder that, um, people need to do what they need to do to get through and just cling tight to God and trust that he will, he will get them there. Yes. I I have a friend, um, she's become a dear friend now. Her son died a year ago. He was hit by a car and, um, she goes in his room every night and journals to him. She writes, you know, just what she would want to say to him. Um, I didn't go in my son's room for over a year. Mm. I had the door shut. Mm. Um, I have another friend who loves to have her um, son's friends come over. And um, I kind of, seeing Ian's friends was so painful for me that I didn't invite him over. And um, if they texted, I would text back, but I avoided that sort of situation. And so it's, it's it's incredible how different people are and how they mourn. Yeah. My husband kind of, I think he um, tried to help me at the very beginning. And when I kind of got back on my legs a little, I could stand a little on my own. I think then his um, grief kind of set in because he was busy taking care of my grief. Right, right. And then he finally had a chance to kind of feel what he needed to feel. And yes. he went through a different process. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, but you guys have been in it together, and I love, I think the way you and Andy have walked through this together is also such a beautiful testimony to your marriage and to your faith, because I also know that this can tear a marriage and a family apart, Mm -hmm. and you guys have been such a beautiful witness to that also, as you've clung tight and you've clung to your faith, and uh, you've weathered this thing together. He's a good soul. We we like that, Andy. We like him a lot, don't we? I'll tell him he said that. Yes, please do. He better listen. Is he not going to listen to this? I'll, I'll tell him to we'll listen. see. I know. We have he to will. get both Eric and Andy to listen because Eric never listens to these. Okay. So maybe this will maybe this will be the one. Um, I want to talk about Ian's place, but I want to ask okay. one more question because I think there are people listening who also maybe um, aren't in the grief process, but they're walking alongside someone else in grief. And I I know from my experience with you, it's like, I just wanted to help. I wanted to do something. And rationally, I knew there was nothing I could do. And it's a helpless feeling as a friend or a family member when you're watching someone and you love in so much pain and you just, you know, there's nothing you can do. And so I tried a lot of things. I'm sure a lot of people tried a lot of things because they wanted to help you. And there were probably some things that people did that weren't very helpful. <laughs> and what I love about you is you're so gracious that you um, you know you never judge people's intentions. I love that about you. So I just want to say very specifically. Uh, generally speaking, because I, I don't want you to like <laughs> have to specifically name <laughs> anything, but just very generally speaking, is there anything you would say to people who are walking alongside someone in grief that might just help them know what to do when they feel helpless? Well, 
as I said before, everybody grieves differently. So I think um, an important thing is if it's a good friend or a family member, you probably know them fairly well. You might not know them, how they're going to act in deep, deep grief. Mm-hmm. Um, I think uh, ask. I think texting is better than calling. This is just in my opinion. Yeah. Um, I, I wouldn't answer the phone. Um, but texting and maybe not saying an open-ended question, you know, something like if you wanted to bring a meal, maybe uh, may I drop up a meal um, at your front door? And I'll text you when it's there, and then I'll, I'll leave. Um, some people enjoy company, and they might say, yes, but you can come in. And some might say, oh, that would be nice. Thank you. Yes, you could leave it at the door. Yeah. Things like that. Yeah. Um, a very good friend of mine um, went out and bought about six funeral dresses and um, brought them back to me to try on. And that was my friend Nicole. That was really, I think, were you with her? I was with her. That yeah. was sweet. I mean, that's that's a, above and beyond, but um, things like that. Or um, um, if they have small children, snacks and food. And I'm trying to think of something that's not food related. Yeah, it is it is kind of the thing you think just, of to do. Like just fill their fridge. Because you're food. not you don't have the energy to cook. You yeah. don't have the energy to to feed your children and your husband. Yeah. And so um everyday needs um are a good way to help people or um I maybe cut someone's say may I come over and cut the grass once a week. Um whatever you feel that that person is unable to do in their everyday life, mm. drive children. That's really good. But I think thinking through it and asking the question um, and then maybe setting a time so that they don't have to, oh, what do I do? You know, if it's, right. it's easier if it's kind of more specific. Yeah, that's, that's actually really helpful. So those open-ended questions that just say, how are you? Or I'd like, where do you want your food from? And what time do you want it dropped off? And they don't you know, care. Just, you know, say, hey, I'm going to drop it off around this time. I'll leave it at your door. Is that, is that good? Yeah, stuff. So perfect. That's really uh-huh. helpful. Yeah, yeah. Well, Rebecca, I want to go back to that um, book, A Grief Disguised, which I know now... Um, You send that book to other women, don't you? I do. To other families. I do. Tell people, I wasn't going to ask you this, but now I am. Uh, Tell people what you do when you, when you hear of maybe a situation in our community and you want to reach out to someone, just tell people what you do. Well, if I, if I hear of a situation of a death of a child, um, via a friend or, um, a neighbor or something, I will write a card and send that book, um, a, uh, a Grace Disguised. And I have a girlfriend that makes blankets, and she prays over them as she makes them. Mm. And I'll either send it in the mail. Um, I, I prefer dropping it off on their porch, but I obviously I drop and run. Um, and then information if they want to get in touch with me or not. Yes. Um, sometimes if I just hear of something and then I look them up, I, I'll send a a, a book and a card through the mail, and I try not to be as intrusive, you know. Yeah. Um, but I've 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 met a lot of interesting, wonderful women, and it's incredible how quickly you bond when you are in the same 
boat. Yes. Yes. Go ahead. <laughs> you go ahead. <laughs> well, I was just going to say it's it's that me too. You know, it's that when you finally find someone who understands what you're going through mm-hmm. and, and actually doesn't just, um, you know, it's not on the outside, but it's actually walked through your shoes. Mm-hmm. There's nothing that can replace that. Mm-mm. Not at all. Yeah. And I... Um, I reached out to a mom, and we've been in contact, and um, I texted her today, this morning, and I got a text back from her husband mm-hmm. who said he's been going through the motions, and now he feels the permanency of his son being gone, and he would like to meet with me. And I had suggested maybe we meet as couples, or, um, but that's, that's part of this part of it all is that these men it's it's much harder for a man to bond with another man and just the fact that he reached out was wonderful yeah yeah so I know I'm that meant so meet much him. to you yeah meant yeah so much to me and and my husband's ready to be talking with people yeah yeah so well what I love about this is again I, I go back to this book of grace disguise because I know it meant so much to you and you found it to be such a helpful resource but in it he says you know it's not the experience of loss that becomes the defining moment of our lives for that's inevitable because we all experience loss it's how we respond to the loss that matters that response will largely determine the quality the direction and the impact of our lives and you and Andy are at a place in this process where you have decided how you're going to choose to respond to the loss. I was talking to Andy not long ago and, and I said, Andy, I don't, you know, I look at you guys and I think, how do you get out of bed every day? How do you, how do you keep going? How, how do you sit here and you laugh and you smile and you are, um, have stepped back into life? And, you know, he said, well, because you, you choose, you can either crawl up in bed and choose never to come out of your house again, which I think probably some people feel like is a pretty worthy option, and I wouldn't judge them if that's what they decided to do. Or you decide to go on living and to to make something um, out of your loss, out of your experience, and to do something for God's glory. And that's what you and Andy have chosen to do through this new nonprofit called Ian's Place. Tell us the story of Ian's Place. Well, to be honest, I think it was maybe the day of Ian's funeral and my oldest son I was crying and my oldest said son said mom you're gonna you're gonna do something special out of out of his death and it stuck with me and um I I did feel like this was um maybe why he was taken so young from me um to reach out and help other people and um, we prayed about it and um, after that one um, time that we went to that grief group that made me more depressed <laughs> than uplifted <laughs> um, we kind of came up with an idea to have a place for bereaved parents to go um, just like we would have I, I kind of figured out everything that I would have liked when Ian died and that's what we based it on. Mm. Tell us what are some of those things. 
So we have a little private building in Clarendon Hills, and um, we have it all nicely set up inside. Um, I have a steering team of six of us who have lost children, women that I've met along the way. You didn't know any of these women None of them before. Different ages, um, different backgrounds, and a great group of women. And different stages in their grief process. Different stages in their grief projects. Yeah, excuse me, and different ages of their children. Mm. So, um, and then I have two friends. Um, Sandy Lagesty is my go-to girl. She does all the behind scenes for me, and I couldn't be more grateful. And then um, Martha Phillips is our Bible teacher. So we're planning on having um, Bible studies for couples, men, women, um, maybe once they're past the, um, the deep, deep grief, if they kind of want to continue into the Bible, mm-hmm. um, she's, she's been wonderful and we've already started some Bible studies, mm-hmm. We're kind of doing practice Bible studies so that we know what, uh, materials work, what books we want to do. Um, so my hope is to have it one-on-one where a, a woman can come in and sit and talk with me or any of the women on the steering team and um, have a relationship, uh, listen to what they're going through. Maybe a few couples come in. We'll have different, um, we'll have, um, different times for people to meet um, and then different subject matters on grief on heaven, things like that. Mm. And it'll just keep evolving because, yeah. you know, it's we're kind of going as with what with what people need. Yeah. Well and you've stepped out in faith in this process. You listen to what Jack said to you and you chose to believe that and you've watched God work. What are what are some of the God moments that you've seen along the way as you've stepped out in faith to make this happen? I've seen, um, I think what's really neat is I brought, uh, there's all these moms and now they're getting to know each other and they're really connecting and they're really sharing their pain and they're sharing their, their, the, the joy that they're finding, you know, in life again. I like to connect people and, um, this is this to me is a treasure just just watching them interact i couldn't be happier i i i'm excited when we get some men in there yes <laughs> <laughs> we're not open yet but just the steering team and the bible study just that grouping is yeah and i i my most important part of ian's place for bereaved parents was to have it god centered because i think you have to um have that aspect otherwise um, I don't know. I don't know how you survive. Yeah. Certainly, we would welcome anybody, and maybe, um, maybe it will bring some people to Christ. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I love that you you are clear about the fact that that's part of your mission. That's your foundation. That's that is. Uh, where you put your hope and your faith. And so people know that you're upfront about that, but yet 
you can welcome anyone mm-hmm. who needs a place to come and to find that support and to just talk with other people who have, who understand their journey and help them get to that next day. Absolutely. It's like just one day at a time yes. to that next day where they, they're a little bit closer to finding um, some light or seeing a little bit of hope. And so I love that you are so open about that and also yet really clear on what you believe and who you believe because I know how important that is to you. Yes. Yeah. It is. It really is. Um, and one more thing about my steering team, um, there's going to be bios on the website, the website we're working on it right now. Um, there's a woman who lost a four-year-old daughter. Mm-hmm. Um, there's... There's women who have lost children to to different deaths. And so it'll also be nice for somebody to be able to go on the website and say, you know what, I'd really like to meet with that mom who has a younger child or meet with, you know, suicide is very common now. And that might be something more specific where where you might want to first start meeting with somebody who had a child with a similar death. So um, we're, we, we hope that everybody feels comfortable. Yeah. Well, and I think that's one of the things you've learned as you have gotten to hear other people's stories mm-hmm. and gone through your own process is there is something different mm-hmm. about maybe losing a child who's younger versus mo- losing a child who's older or losing a child to a tragic accident versus losing a child to an illness. Like it's all grief and it's all you're grieving the loss of a child, but there's nuances within each person's journey as they grieve. Is that a fair thing to say? Yes. Yes. I would say at the end of the day, I think that we all come together as grieving parents and relate, Mm -hmm. but I do think that there is some, some, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Familiar. No, I, you you feel a little comfort. Yes. Yeah. You can really understand where they're coming from. Yeah. When yeah. you've gone through it. Well, and that's part of human nature. Anytime we find something similar with another human being, there's a connection there yes. that forms. And so that happens in the good things and it happens in the dark things. And so you're you're able to make these connections in um, hard places. And I, I was just sitting here thinking, I have to say this to you because you said you're a connector. And the fact that none of these women on your steering team knew each other. They were all walking in their own ways of grief. They didn't have this community and God has just wired and gifted you. He has made you who you are because you are a connector. And it's amazing to see the way he's used that gift in you ever since I've known you. I cannot tell you the amount of people I have met because of you oh, or, stop. or people. And I know again, the people, <laughs> the people that we know that are listening, they're all <laughs> shaking their heads laughing because they're like, yep, Rebecca's the connector. Uh, she is. And now you're choosing to use that gift God has given you again in the midst of pain to bring hope and light to other people. And I think that's a beautiful thing. Oh, thank you. Mm. And I truly think that this is my calling. This is what I was put on earth to do with this with this this part of my life. Yeah. How do you think you got to that part? I mean, how do you think you got to a place where and maybe you're still in process over this, where you chose to really listen to God's voice in your life in this place and to step into a place where you you're you're welcoming the pain of other people and you're, you're holding their hand and walking them through this journey. How do you think you got to a place where you said, yes, Lord, send me? Gosh, 
I don't know. I don't know. That's a really good question. Um, I think it's going to make me cry. I th- I think I want to do it for Ian. Mm-hmm. I really do. I I uh, he was a connector, and um, I I want to make um, I I want to make a difference. Um, I'm so grateful that God put him in my life while I had him. And I don't, and I want to, I want to make it, I want to embrace these people and love them and give them hope mm-hmm. and let them know that they will see their children again. Mm-hmm. You know, they will. It's, it's hard. It is hard. And the other thing I love about you as I sit here watching you with tears rolling down your face is that the heart is not keeping you from doing the beautiful thing that God has called you to do. I told you we were both going to cry before <laughs> this was over. Mm. I'm uh, I'm not afraid of going into the pain no, you're of not. others. I, I um, and I'm grateful that God has given me this gift. Yeah, it's so inspiring and encouraging. And I know you're not doing this to be inspiring and encouraging. I know you would trade it in a heartbeat if you could f- for the outcome to be different. But um, I tell you this all the time. You're such a light. You're, you're oh, so beautiful. You. And you are, you are choosing to use your story. Use your story to remind people of who God is and the hope that lies in eternity and to just hold people's hands. And I love that you, it doesn't matter who wants to connect with you. There's, there's no parent or woman or man that you wouldn't talk to. Absolutely not. Because that's who you are. Yeah. I love that about you so much. <laughs> you're special. You're a special soul, Rebecca. Oh, you stop. are. Um, God bless you. So the other thing I want, I, I just want to, we're going to get out of the tears here. I'm going to move us out of the tears, okay? Okay. Um, you're also pretty clear as far as Ian's place goes that um, you're not counselors. And so you're, you're not trying to be a therapist for people. No. You are not trying to um, replace something that they would pay a trained person to walk them through. You're actually providing something a little bit different for them. Yes. Can you talk about that? Um, Andy and I went to a counselor, a grief counselor, month after Ian died. And we both were crying our eyes out. And she looked <laughs> like... like uh, she looked like she'd been hit by a truck. She, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I think we totally overwhelmed her. She had never lost a child, and I don't blame her. I, I don't know where I would start with a husband and a wife crying together, looking at you for answers. <laughs> so um, I think that um, counselors are important and therapists. I, uh, I, I think that is all very important. And we are, um, as soon as we get this up and running, I would like to find a part-time grief counselor. I would love one that has lost a child. I don't know if that's getting too specific, but that's something that we're going to be looking into so that um, women or men who come to Ian's place um, will have that option. And um, so we are working on that right now. But um, I have found that just sitting with people listening to people, um, starting a relationship, um, women sitting around with other women who have lost children who can open up about it. I, I think that's very beneficial. Yeah. I think, I think both are. Yes. Therapist and being 
in the same boat as people. Yeah, yeah. Now, you mentioned earlier that Ian's place is not open yet. So tell us when your hopes are to open and what that will look like. I didn't realize how many um, steering team meetings we were going to have to have, but it's a lot. (laughs) Just getting the nonprofit is a lot. We finally got that. And um, we're just working now. We're working the kinks out. We're almost going to be able to go live on the website. And then um, you'll be able to sign up for one-on, talk to somebody one-on-one or for a group, Mm -hmm. a, a group meeting a couple's meeting sometimes it's easier to go the first few times with a spouse I know it was for me yeah um and then and then bible studies men's bible studies we're going to be working on that too we're doing a bible study right now on heaven um and it's actually helping a lot of uh, there's a bunch of moms that have never even been in a bible study and they're enjoying it Mm. um so I forgot what your whole question was. <laughs> Just when you open in October. Oh. What, yeah, you're so, hoping to open so October. We're hoping to open October 20th. And um, and most of it will just be on the website. Uh, there'll be a number you can call if you really need to talk to somebody immediately if you are so down and out. Um, and I, I'm going to have it set up that if you, if you want to meet, There'll be somebody to meet with you. I don't care what time of day it is, weekend, holiday. You are never alone. Mm-hmm. I would, I would race out, you know, anytime. And so, as long as people know that, um, and and my my steering team, they are all ready to go, um, excited to help anyone. And the fact now that we have a private building is wonderful. Yeah, because um, then you don't have to worry about cleaning your house to have someone come over to talk with you. Yeah, it's easy parking, it's easy easy location, and I love the intentionality behind that too of just making it as easy as possible for people to come, to walk right in your door, to to find that, that hope and support that they need. And as you said, you know, the the website and the social media stuff you're still working on, that's in progress, but we're going to, uh, at the end of the show, I'll let people know how they uh, can find a little bit more out about Ian's Place now while those things are getting ready, and then we'll be sure to let people know. We're going to scream it loud from the rooftops <laughs> when it is open and ready, because I keep telling you, I just think God has amazing things in store for not only the local area, but I can just imagine this being a place that that people potentially all over the country um, find and need. Yeah. And you're going to be pointing people uh, to the hope that they need. Yes, and it's it's sad because you don't want to keep hearing about more children, but um, it happens, and um, it's devastating, and it's important for people to know that they have a place. Yes. to try to find some peace. Mm-hmm. Yes. Rebecca, as we close out the show today, um, tell us about some places you're finding some joy in your life right now. Oh, let's see. Um, well, I find joy at Ian's place. I'm working on the garden. Mm, tell us more about that. <laughs> <laughs> My girlfriend and her husband um, had a big garden wall um, with an eye for Ian constructed. So we had all kinds of, his favorite color was orange, so we had hundreds of orange tulips mm-hmm. that came up in the spring, and then I got busy and it became a weed garden. So <laughs> <laughs> Now we're working on planting of that, um, and we're going to have a, uni- the driveway, this is on Burlington, 
um, Avenue in Clarendon Hills, and the walkway is crackling. So we're gonna we're gonna fix that, and I'm gonna have bricks with names of all the children that uh-huh. that have passed away, and I'm also I'm have a wall inside of all the dear children that we lost. Um, so it's it's gonna be a reminder to everybody and um, just a, a reminder of of why we're here and that we want to help mm-hmm. and that God loves us. Mm-hmm. We're not alone. That's right. That's right. And I know there are people out there listening today who need to be reminded of that. They need to hear it over and over again that they're not alone, that mm-hmm. whatever they're going through, they're going to get through it, that there is a place of joy even in the midst of darkness, that with God's grace, people can get to God will carry them there people will surround them to get there and there is a light um, at the end of whatever dark tunnel they may be facing today whether it's the grief of a child or the grief of someone they love or another hard circumstance people need to be reminded that they're not alone that God is holding them tight Yeah, so thank you, my friend, for sharing your story today, for having the courage to come here. and um, You made me come. (laughs) I twisted your arm, didn't I? (laughs) Did I bribe you with anything? Did I? I got to figure out. (laughs) You you did this because you believe in what you're doing, and you know there's other people that need to know, and I so appreciate you for that. Is there anything else you want to share before we sign off for our time today? No, I... Thank you for, um, well, you've been a wonderful friend through all this. You really have. Um, And thank you for putting this out there to help these women. Because, I mean, boy, I hope hope some women hear this and um, reach out to me. I would would really love it. Yeah. Yeah. And And men. And men. And men. We got to get these men out of their comfort zone. Yes. And have them reach out to. Absolutely. Well, Rebecca, thank thank you you so much for being here today. I love you, my friend. I love you, too. Thank you. I can't wait to see what God's going to do through Ian's place. Thank you. Well, friends, I hope you heard the courage in Rebecca's story today, and I hope you found the reminder that hope and joy are possible in the midst of all things when God is at work. If you are a parent who is grieving, just know our hearts especially go out to you today. I hope you have been touched by this episode and have been reminded that you're not alone, that God is with you and that by his grace, you can and will experience better days ahead. I hope and I pray that you hold on to that truth today. If you are a friend or maybe a family member of someone who has lost a child, I do hope that you will share this episode. You can listen to Deeper Still on any place where podcasts can be found or on the Christchurch website at christchurch.us forward slash women. To learn more about Ian's Place, you can visit iansplace.org. That is I-A-N-S-P-L-A-C-E dot org. As Rebecca and I mentioned today, the website isn't quite live yet, but it will be in the next couple of weeks. So be sure to bookmark that, write it down, and check back to see how God has been at work at Ian's Place see how maybe you can get involved and again share it with a friend if you know someone who needs the kind of place that Ian's place can be 
for them. And then be sure to mark your calendar for October when Ian's Place officially opens to the public. We will be celebrating that alongside our dear friends. In the meantime, if you are listening and need immediate help, if you just need to talk to someone who has been in this place of grief of losing a child, please email me at scamfield at christchurch.us and I will be happy to connect you with Rebecca. It was her desire for me to share that with you as she left today. She will connect with you as soon as it is humanly possible and would be happy to talk with you a little bit further. Well, this officially ends season two of Deeper Still. We'll be taking a break for the rest of the summer so you can catch up on all of the episodes you've missed in season one and season two. And of course, again, share that with all your friends. We will pick it back up in September, uh, aka after I get both of my kids off to college and start um, crying tears of maybe joy or maybe sorrow, I haven't decided which yet, of being an empty nester. (laughs) So stay tuned for that, but we will be back with new guests and new topics, and we cannot wait. So until then, go in God's grace and keep asking yourself, my friends, keep asking how God might be calling you to go deeper still in the midst of all things in the days and weeks to come. Thanks so much for joining us, and we'll see you back here in September with Season 3.